Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Okay, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, I just want to put up this. Um, what I find to be an interesting subject, and I'm sure it's going to bless you, uh, it's something that you're going to benefit from, especially if you are a student of the Bible and you love diligent studies. And so, my subject is the bottomless pit. I feel this is going to be of some help to um, everyone who actually is interested and loves reading the world and, and, and digging a little bit deeper. Instead of just picking out the surface statements that sometimes we see uh, either in messages or on television broadcasts or on newspapers, I mean, all manner of medium by which some of these things are broadcasted. Okay, so, what exactly is the bottomless pit? That's what we're trying to look at. And so our test is going to be that Romans chapter, uh, Revelation 20, verse 1 to 3. Revelation 20, 1 to 3. And the Bible says, And I saw an angel came down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And the verse 2 says, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bind him a thousand years. Now, this is very interesting. I needed to get this fact. Remember, the dragon is the same person as the devil, Satan, and that old serpent, which you find in Genesis chapter 3. Now, it's important for you to see that, remember, in Genesis chapter 3, it was just a single serpent, but how did it become a dragon? Well, we're not going to look into that, but you see, it's simply the multiplication of the seed of Satan in the heart of man, become a gendatic creature upon the face of the earth. Is that okay? Right. Same principle you find that Jesus was just but one man, and then got 12 disciples and 70 disciples, and then a lot of people begin to follow. And right now, all over the world, we have Christians. Just one seed multiplying. That's how the devil, which is Satan, which is the serpent, got multiplied on the face of the earth and became a dragon. Okay, verse 3. And the Bible says, And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set his seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be let loose a little while. Now, I find something very interesting in this, in this reading. Um, why did I say so? You see, there's a lot of complaints of interpretation of this passage by Christians. Uh, as the two major doctrines have actually emerged from it. The first one is the premillennialism. Premillennialism. That's the first one. Suggesting that the Lord will come before the 1,000 years reign. And then you have the second one, which is the postmillennialism. Indicating also that the Lord will come after the millennial reign. So these are the two major doctrines that actually have emerged from this particular passage in question that we're considering. And so, it's important you pay close attention so that you can truly be able to come to conclusion as to one, are you a premillennialist or a postmillennialist? You need to be able to find your position as we study this. It's a clear understanding of this passage will make you 
take the rightful uh, uh, decision or position in terms of what to believe about this passage. So, what have we really believed this passage to mean? What exactly is a 1,000 years reign, for instance? 1,000 years. Right? Which we call a millennium. When and how is Satan bound? What is the bottomless pit? And what does it mean to be loose for a season? Now, is this a pit somewhere in hell or something like that? Is this hell itself? Or is the devil to be cast in here, the bottomless pit, and chained? And if the devil is a spirit, how come it's being chained? Question is, can you chain a spirit with a physical chain? And if this is not a physical chain, so what is this supposed to be? If it is a bottomless pit, how can a pit be bottomless? I just want you to think for a moment. You see, if you have a deep well, for instance, there is going to be a foundation, there is going to be a ground. Is that okay? If there is a well, no matter how deep, there is going to be a ground. But here we are talking of something that bottomless, that means another word for bottom here should be foundation. So if it is bottomless, simply means it is foundationless. In other words, we are saying this is a foundationless structure. And not just a pit. For if it is a pit, then there should be a foundation or a ground. So exactly what are we seeing here? I just want you to think for a while. But homeless pit is a pit that has no bottom. What? How do you call what has no bottom a pit anymore? It's like chasm and whatever it is. There must be a foundation. There must be a ground. There must be a bottom. So if something says bottomless, if the scripture says this thing is bottomless, it simply means this thing has no foundation, no ground to stand on. That is just what he's talking about. Okay? Right. So first of all, let's, we're going to explain this. We're going to deal with this properly. But let's look at this. We're told he had a dragon bound this devil, according to Revelation 20 verse 2. Right? It was bound for a thousand years with chains. You listen to this. Now, we know that the word bound or bind means to restrain. It speaks of lack of freedom. So when we say the devil was, the devil was bound, we're simply trying to say, well, he was restrained. His freedom was taken from him. Now, for instance, Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 39 says, 1 Corinthians 7 39, the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband leave it. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. Bound by the law. The woman is restricted or restrained by the law. Is that okay? No freedom for her as long as she is married to a man. The law says she is not free. She is bound. You got that? Alright. Now, in 2 Timothy 2, reading from verse number 8, Paul said this. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. 
even unto bounds. Unto bounds. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, which they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now Paul is trying to say, I'm in prison by reason of the gospel, not because of anything evil that I have done. I'm bound. In other words, I'm restrained. So when something is bound or someone is bound, it means that individual is restrained. No freedom. I need you to get that. Meaning, when we say Satan is bound, it simply means it's restrained or caged or prevented or his power seized or taken away from him. No liberty anymore. You get that? So, many here that Satan is completely bound for the sin, but his power still operates upon the wicked world. As far as the body of Christ is concerned, as far as the church is concerned, Satan is bound. Is that okay? Now, Jesus said this in Mark 3 verse 27. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his good, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his goods. What is that talking about? He's talking about Satan. He's talking about taking his authority from him. Jesus came to take away that authority from Satan. And so, if his authority is taken away, it means he's bound. No more freedom. Okay, let's quickly look at John chapter 12, verse 31 to 32. He said, talking about his death, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the priest of this world be cast out. And the 32 says, And if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And verse 33 says, This is said, signifying what death he should die. But I want you to look at verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Once he's cast out from the place of authority and position, then he's bound. His authority is, 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 is curtailed. I mean, it's taken away from him. Amen? Alright, so Jesus said that before his death. So, we can see that through the death of Jesus Christ, Satan was completely bound. His powers were taken away from him and needed to get this. So that you walk as someone with understanding and so authority comes to you to realize that Satan is completely bound by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then again we read in, 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 we, we read in Revelation 12 verse 36 and then 3 there again that it was let loose for the season. What is that supposed to mean? It simply means Satan had been defeated at the cross, yet he has a measure of power which is permitted, if I may use, permitted activity, hence a little season, if you must get that again. And I'm going to show you why he is let loose as we progress. The death of Jesus on the cross bound Satan. He's been let loose is simply the activities of men, religious people, 
unbelief in the heart of man. Okay, let me read this again. We read it before, but I will take it again. In John 12, 29, the people therefore that stood by and heard, he said, that the thunders other said, an angel speak to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sex. And let's tell you one again. Now is a judgment of this world. Now shall the priest will be cast out. Now, the whole of what Jesus did on the cross was to demolish every activity works of Satan. His authority was taken away from him. In fact, scripture said, his principalities and powers. You remember that? Praise God. Okay. Now, in John 16, when he was talking about the release of the Holy Spirit to the saints, this is what he said. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's a speed for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And verse 8 says, And when he's come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse 9. Of sin. Because they believe not on me. As a redeemer. As the one I come to convince the world of sin. The stand of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. We become his righteousness. He's given us his righteousness through the Holy Spirit. We become the righteousness of God in Christ. And that's 11, the key of judgment because the priest of this world is judged. Very simple. Praise the Lord. The priest of this world, the devil, is judged already. When you judge somebody, you sentence somebody to imprisonment. You burn them. When a judge sentenced somebody to imprisonment, it could be life imprisonment with hard labor. It could be sentenced to death. Jesus didn't come to play a game with the devil. He sentenced the devil. The judgment of the prince of this world was through the cross to demolish everything that the devil has, all of his powers. And I'm going to make you see what the power of the devil really is. Praise the Lord. Again, when he sent the disciples to go preach the, the kingdom of God, in the, the, the 70 in the book of Luke chapter 10 and they went out there and they got a lot of results they got a lot of you know a, a victory about Satan casting out devil from people healing the people healing the sick I mean they got miracles signs and wonders follow them now the Bible says in verse 17 when they return Luke 10 17 and the 70 returned again with joy saying Lord even the devils are subject unto us through their name that the answer Jesus said. And he said unto them, I behear Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Oh, come on here. I behear Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So the question is, how many times did Satan fall? Some people always tell us that Satan fell right from time when he was a Lucifer and was cast down from heaven and stuff like that. No, nothing to do with that. Lucifer has nothing to do with Satan. Satan is not Lucifer. You need to understand that. Satan is simply, Satan, Lucifer is simply King Nebuchadnezzar. Have nothing to do with his spirit. Amen. So yeah, he say, I bear Satan fall from heaven by lightning. What he's saying to say is coming out of his place of power and dominion. Heaven speaks of the realm of rulership, power and authority. Um, 
I see Satan getting out of the place of authority when I go to the cross. By implication, if my disciples can be casting out devils now before I go to the cross, when I go to the cross, then it is finished. Every one of them can continuously do that. The devil have no authority one bit anymore upon the face of the earth to deceive or to make people. You know, what will I say here? I am destroying this power of Satan that men might be free. And when I do that, I bind him. In fact, 1 John 3 verse 8, he says, He that committed sins of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the reason, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Period. Amen. So, the losing of Satan is only possible when men stand against and forsake the truth of the kingdom of God into religion. The devil is let loose again to deceive. Just like when Martin Luther declared, the judge shall live by faith, the devil was bound. But when men forsook that and moved into all manner of teachings to deceive, he is let loose again. How many of you really understand that? The scripture tells us precisely the fivefold ministry, God released them as a gift to the church. That they might raise the church to the place of the same stature and measure of that of Christ. So that they will no longer be deceived. So the key thing, oh come on people, the key thing that is the trouble today on the face of the world is deception. And of course, this is also final religious circles. Now, you must understand, the book was written to Christians, so the apostles were supposed to minister to Christians, meaning there were some people that were deceiving the believers into either accepting something else or believing into something else, which is not of God. Praise the Lord. This is the purpose of the Bible ministry, to establish the saints. Not for any reason, not to make them, not to, you know... To make them to fleece them. That is not the purpose. The purpose is to raise them. So that they can become stable people in the face of the earth. Not to be deceived or tossed to and fro. By every slight and darkness of men. By which they lie in way to deceive. Deception. And this is exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And the primary thing the work of the devil really stands for is... Deceiving people. Don't you miss this fact? See, when the Bible says the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy in John 10, he wasn't talking about a spirit being doing that. He was talking about the Pharisees, the religious people. They were the ones destroying the life of God's children. They enter without going through the door. He was the door. Amen. He is still through the door. I mean, he is still, still the door. Through he will get to God. Now, people come in and want to go through. Jesus said, all that came before me, they are thieves and robbers. You tell me something. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. What is that supposed to be? That even includes the works of Moses, if you will. Why? Because the works of Moses could not give life. He said, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Can you see that? The works of Moses could not give life. The works of the scribes and Pharisees could not give life. The works of the Sadducees could not kill life. All of those religious people that had been there before he came, Jesus referred to them as thieves and robbers. Hallelujah. 
Can you get this? So he was dealing with the scribes and Pharisees in particular when he get down to John chapter 10. You can under, even understand John 10 without us going back to John chapter 9. The Pharisees asked him John chapter 9 because he heard somebody, are we blind also? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you are saying we don't have remaining, but you say you see, therefore you say remaining. And that's when next thing they launched into chapter 10. So what he was dealing with chapter 10 was actually the Pharisees that he was dealing with. We were not talking about one devil somewhere, no. Praise the Lord. Can you, can you get this? Okay. So, what is the next thing I would like us to look at here? Is the word 1,000 years. What does that mean? Remember, it was bound for 1,000 years. So, that's what we're talking about, the premillennial, not the millennium. The post millennial or premillennial millennialism was banned for 1,000 years. What is that supposed to mean? Now, in apocalyptic literature, it represents ideas and not arithmetical values. It's not, it's not when you start counting 1, 2, 3, 4, up to 1,000. That is not what he's talking about. It's not dealing with arithmetical values. Right? 1,000 is therefore symbolic of the idea of fullness and completeness. And I would like you to believe this and see it. Praise the living God. Can you get that? Now, if you look at Psalm 90 verse 4, this is what it says. For a thousand years in that sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Did you get that? A thousand years in that sight are but. So this thing is symbolic. It's not talking about arithmetical value. You don't have to be counting 1,000 years and think that that is what God is dealing with. So there's 1,000 year millennial reign. That is not exactly what the scripture is talking about. Again, look at Psalm 50 with me. And look at verse number 7. Psalm 50, verse 7. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. But he said, I will not reprove thee for their sacrifices or their burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will not take no bullock out of the house, nor he goes out of my folds. For every beast of the forest is mine. You listen to this. And a cattle upon a thousand hills is mine. Praise the Lord. So then, are we in any way thinking... That 999 cattle and a thousand he does not belong to God. Only one cattle and a thousand he belongs to God. In other words, 999 hills, the cattle there doesn't belong to God. He has a cattle, only one hill. Is that what you mean? A cattle and a thousand hills belongs to me. One thousand. Praise God. Are you still here? Amen. I need it together because very important. This is where we're getting a lot of confusion over this issue. Okay? Alright. Now, in 2 Peter 3 verse 8, there's a scripture that you will love. Talking about days. And this is what the scripture says. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day, is for the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, observe that certain numbers are frequently used in the language of God, such as the one thousand. 
And so Peter here is saying, a day in the Lord, I mean, is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years are one day. Now, how does the scripture actually use the word day, for instance? In Hebrew 3 verse 7, we read, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, today, if you will hear his voice, hardly not your heart, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation of the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Can you imagine that? The whole of the 40 years period that they were in the wilderness, God referred to that as one day. Praise God. Did you see it? The fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works 40 years. And he said, and the day of provocation when your father tempted me in the wilderness. So for the whole of that 40 years that were in the wilderness, to God, it was but a day. So it can be seen clearly that a day is simply what? A period of God's program in ages past or present, like the case of the 40 years with Israel. It's just but one day. It's a time is doing something. It's a time is, is unveiling. It's a time is, if I may use the word, raining. Praise the Lord. Nothing to do with your arithmetical computation. In the same light, you see, the seventh day of God is an eternal day of God rest that can be entered into in Christ. Hallelujah. So when you look at First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 5 actually, The Bible says We are the children of the day And not the children of the night Amen And this day is the eternal day of God It's the seventh day of God rest for man That one can find in Christ Look at it Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 The Bible says Thus the heavens and the earth were finished And all the hosts of them Verse 2 says, And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had begun, which had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Now, you need to get this clearly. The seventh day here had nothing to do with the previous six days of creation week in Genesis 1. All of the of the six days in creation week you, What you say is In the evening and the morning were the first day In the evening and the morning were the second day In the evening and the morning were the third day After the sixth day The evening and the morning were the sixth day But when you come to Genesis 2 verse 2 here There is no evening There is no morning So it shows that this is God's own eternal day It's not a weekly day It's not a weekly Sabbath The way people take it to be this is God eternity. No evening and no morning. And so, in, 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 in Matthew chapter 11, 28, you find the same thing where Jesus said, Come unto me, that labor and have a learning, and I will give you rest. I will cause you to enter into the Sabbath rest of God that he has ordained. According to the Hebrew we read before, the scripture text says that the children of Israel could not enter his rest because of unbelief. Amen. So then, a thousand years, therefore, is the realm of the light in God. Nothing to do with the physical one thousand years. Just like we've said before. For every base of the forest is mine, and a cattle on a thousand is mine. It doesn't mean that the rest of the cattle on nine and nine hills doesn't belong to God. A thousand years is simply the realm of the reign of God. Praise the living God. 
I wish you can pick that. Amen? So, what then is the bottomless pit? Because we read, and he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, and said he still upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more. Interesting. Hallelujah. Now, this, this is very, very powerful. I need you to get this. That he deceived the nations no more. The essence of the devil being cast into the pit is that it might not deceive the nations no more. Meaning the only power of the devil is deception. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now let's follow this. Let's follow this. It's important. Get this fact. Satan was cast. And what was the cause of Satan? Look at it. Genesis 3 verse 7 verse 14. Genesis 3 verse 14. After the deception and the fall of man, the Bible says, God caused Satan, and this is what happened. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art caused above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly thou shalt go, and thou shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Praise God. Praise God. Right. Yet the devil is caused to go on his belly. What is belly there? Ground. Somewhere to rest down. Foundation, hallelujah! It was caused to go on his belly. That his belly will rest on the ground. It was foundation for the devil, and his food was going to be dust. Mm, interesting. But can I say this? We all do know that serpent or snake doesn't eat dust, but protein. You remember that? Hence, they look for chickens, they look for eggs, they look for frogs, they look for insects, whatever the case may be, to eat. So, what is the dust here that Satan was going to be feeding on? Come with me to Psalm 103, verse number 4. Psalm 103, verse number 4. Scripture says, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Glory to God. You remember that what? We are dust. So it is evident from the above scripture that man was the devil's food. In other words, man was made susceptible to the deception of the devil after the fall. The only ground, therefore, that the devil could crawl upon was the soul of man through his deceptive spirit. Praise God. Did you get that? It was all deception. Man has fallen. His soul was not susceptible. I mean... All of his ideas were corrupted by the deception of Satan. And this is a feeding on the dust. For God remember that we are dust. Now, if man is redeemed from the dust frame, for instance, what would be the ground for the devil to walk on? Of course, none. You see, if you look at Job 22 verse 24, the Bible says, then thou shalt lay up gold as dust, and the gold of Ophir as the stones of the brook. The gold of Ophir as the stones of the brooks. Job 22 verse 24. Here we know that gold speaks of the divine nature of God. Hence it is used to place the ark of the covenant in the most holy place. Can you get that? Praise the living God. Gold speaks of the divine nature of God. Silver speaks of redemption. Brass speaks of judgment. Iron speaks of bondage. Oh, come on. You need to get all of these things. 
To be able to understand what the scriptures are saying. So to lay up gold as dust means you put in on the divine nature of God in place of the dust that Satan was supposed to be feeding on. Now the point is Satan can't feed on gold. Hallelujah. So redemption takes you out of the hands of Satan so that Satan can deceive you or walk on you. Um, you can no longer be the ground that Satan will walk on or crawl upon. Hallelujah. So what are we saying now? The ground of which Satan was supposed to be feeding on or walking on or moving on is nothing more of nothing less than but man, man himself in his corrupt nation or nation. That is the ground for which Satan was going to be feeding on. Hallelujah. Now, but you see, God has ordained a place where there is going to be foundation. And this time is going to be his very house where he dwells. And so, when we look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14, the Bible says, This thing is right unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Praise God, praise God, praise God. The pillar and ground of the truth. Now, get this right. Where Satan was cast into was bottomless. No ground, no foundation. But right in the church we have ground, we have foundation. The foundation of truth. The ground and the pillar of truth. Where do you find that? In church. Meaning, if I may just, just let you see this. The bottomless pit is nothing but a system of continual deception and falling away from the way of God. We shall come to that. So you see, the church of Jesus Christ is the only place where you can have foundation or ground. It has bottom. Hallelujah. Meaning, we are coming to the place where the devil can no longer deceive us. Why? This is because of the truth we are receiving and the putting on of the divine nature of God, which is the gold nature. Amen? And in putting on this nature, and with the truth revealing us as the sons of God, who is the way, the truth, and life, the Son of God, who is the way, the truth, and life, God is putting away the ground of devil, bottomless pit, nowhere to stand on anymore. That is to say, the foundation that the devil is supposed to be on is being taken away. His stronghold of deception has been destroyed and removed by the revelation of the Son of God within us. In his kingdom that is within, Luke chapter 17 verse 21 tells us, the kingdom of God is within you and he reigns in that kingdom. So, the place of the devil reigning in our life is being taken away so that God himself, Christ, will begin to rule and reign in our lives. Hallelujah. That is the foundation that we have today. The devil has been cast into a foundationless system, a place where he can no longer deceive people. No truth. In fact, the more we walk in truth, the more we erode and take away the foundation of the devil that we have nowhere to stand upon. If I Jesus said, the prince of the world, come here that you find nothing in me, not our no foundation, no ground to stand on to deceive. Oh, come on now. 
No corrupt system in any way around me for the devil to feed on. Hallelujah. So prophetically speaking, at the fullness of time when man, which is the ground now, like we found the dust, Genesis 3, 14, Psalm 103, verse, verse 14 as well, right? The ground for the serpent. Shall I be liberated? Satan will have no ground to stand upon. It becomes bottomless for his works. So the revelation of Christ, get this, the revelation of Christ in and through us, is what bound Satan and set men free from the chains of religious activities of self-righteousness. Can you get that? And so you see, in Revelation 24, the losing of this power, Revelation I mean, 20 verse, verse 3, again tells us, remember, there will be a losing of the spirit for a season. Again, and ask why. So, Revelation 24, I mean, Mike, Revelation 20, verse 3 says that. But when you look at Mighty 24, verse 11 and 12, this is what it says. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And verse 12 says, Revelation 24, 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall once call. Deception coming in now. Praise the living God. Can you say that? So we have all of those things that is going on. So when we talk about the bottomless pit, we are talking of that that continuous falling away with an end of the workers of evil to the deception of Satan in religious circles, to which Rome was a head dragon, if you will, that was bound through the revelation of Luther in 1517 AD, when Luther said, "The judge shall live by faith." That was a complete literal binding of the political empire of Rome that was supposed to rule over the world. Satan was bound completely when Luther said that. The judge shall live by faith. 1517-80. Remember what led to Germany, Drossel Revolution, all of those things. It was the liberation of this simple statement, prophetic word that came by Martin Luther when he said the judge shall live by faith. Man began to read the Bible. The Bible began to go into circulation, into printing. And there was an upper surge of spiritual evolution, if I may use the word. Satan was literally bound. The Roman Empire was literally bound, politically speaking. So what bound Satan is revelation. The truth of God's word. So the devil is finished with the truth coming forth. No more bottomless pit. The reign of continual deception of all limited resources of iniquity is ending completely. That is what I mean, the bottomless feet. No foundation for the devil to walk on. Why? Because you come into the place of redemption. You're putting on the divine nature of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you following this? You're putting on the divine nature of God so there's no room anymore for the deception of Satan. If it's let loose, it can be let loose in your life. How is it done? When you forsake the truth of the message of the kingdom, you begin to walk in other realms of life, of religious deception, falsehood, false prophet, following all of those streams of ministries that are going on. Satan is let loose again in your life. So what happened? You bind and lose Satan by your belief and your conviction. The revelation of God's word, the light of God's word coming into your life. 
as more of Christ like look at what Paul said in the book of Galatians when he pleased God to reveal his son in me I confess not with flesh and blood that's what we say you will deal with the natural when God begins to reveal his son within you and when that revelation begins to come in power and glory Satan is bound, he's been turned into the bottomless pit. All realms of deception is being taken away. Oh, I think I would rather use this. The rug under Satan is being pulled away by God. Glory to God. By his revelation. Nowhere to stand on, nowhere to walk on, no ground to oh, come on now. Jesus is just bringing forth a revelation of the fullness of God's glory to man. All of that which Satan was doing within and through man is being taken away. His deceiving power, his deceptive power, his authority is being eroded. This is what is meant by the bottomless pit, friends. In being chained means it's been bound. What bound Satan is the truth of God's word, the revelation of God's word, because the only power that Satan has is nothing but deception. And that's exactly what you read in the scriptures there. That he will deceive the nations no more. Then it's let loose for a season. How is it been let loose? The church is the one letting Satan lose nothing more. He has been destroyed right on the cross. When Jesus destroyed the power on the cross, when he went to the cross, the power of Satan was destroyed. So, what's letting him lose? Man, religion. When we start disbelieving the truth, when we start walking away from what Jesus preached, when we start walking away from the mind of Christ, from mankind, when we start not believing that the ultimate goal of God is to bring man again to his image and likeness, which ultimately ordained from the very beginning, when we don't start thinking on these things, then Satan is being let loose. Oh, sorry, people. This is where we have the problem in the church today. We are unable to raise men into the full stature of the measure of Christ. We are dancing around, doing all manner of things religiously. How will Satan not be let loose? This is what we are saying. But again, the good news is, it's for a season. It means revelation can bounce back. Even if it's losing your life, it can bounce back. When revelation bounces back to your life, when you begin to see light again, in the Spirit of God, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And again, they say, ye are the light of the world. When the light begins to dawn again in our lives, and we're walking with a single eye, what that means? Oh, come on, Matthew chapter 6. You're talking about a single eye. What is that trying to say? What it meant to say... You can't believe God and believe Satan at the same time. Is that you're going to believe in God and trust Him to rule and walk in the dominion of God? Then the whole light in your body is God's darkness. Hallelujah. So this is what God is saying. We're coming to the place, friends, where Satan has no stronghold in our lives because we cast into the bottomless pit. That's what he's standing for. It's not a literal thing somewhere. It's not hell somewhere. It's not a hole somewhere. If anything is bottomless, there is no foundation. The only place where you have foundation is the church. Praise the living God. I, I believe this has helped you. I believe this will help you strengthen you and cause you to, to dig deeper and to get greater revelation and freedom in the light of God's word. To walk with the authority and the power that God has brought unto us. In fact, remember, he asked you to cast a Satan. Just cast him out. Just cast him out. That's what he said. Cast out Satan. Heal the sick. 
A very simple statement, a very simple word, and this is what he asks us to do. You don't have to be afraid of that which is called Satan. I'm trying to make you understand that thing which you call Satan works only in deception. But right now, we are receiving revelation, putting on the divine nature of God, that Satan cannot feed on gold. We are walking on gold. We are the dust of gold right now. Not dust that Satan was meant to eat. God bless you, and thank you so much for staying with me. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.